IDC Radio. Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. I'm Alan. And I'm Gal. <laughs> Today... Hi, Gal. <laughs> Today we have some exciting movie news as the film festivals are shaking up 2021, as well as a very special interview with film critic Jonathan Gal. And for our last segment, uh, Alan and I recommended two movies that we consider hidden gems to each other, and we're going to share our reactions. First, let's start with some movie news. Gal, can you start us off? All right. So the film festivals are starting up. Obviously, one of the biggest ones is the Cannes Film Festival. And some of the big movies that are getting buzzed, uh, we've talked before about The French Dispatch, directed by Wes Anderson, and we're both really looking forward to that, right? I'm so excited about this movie. It was supposed to come out July 2020, and now it's finally coming out October 22nd. God, I hate COVID. One hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. Another movie that got a lot of buzz is Stillwater, starring Matt Damon, where he plays uh, an American father who travels to Europe in order to exonerate his daughter who's like falsely accused of murder and they say that his performance in it is really good. Nice. Always excited to see some good Oscar fair Matt Damon. Stuff. I love the guy. <laughs> and it's directed by Tom McCarthy who directed a movie called Spotlight that won a lot of Oscars. Oh yes. I'm trying to get my little girl out of jail. That's all I give a damn about. And last is Annette. Um, is starring Adam Driver, who I think we both really like. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a stan for You're Adam stan. Driver. <laughs> and uh, I've seen the trailer for this one, and it looks really weird. It's uh, it's like a surrealist kind of musical, but I'm, I'm very interested. This kind of stuff always grips me, and it's coming out in theaters August 6th and Amazon Prime August 20th. The biggest prize, if you don't know, at the Cannes Festival is called The Palm Door, and some very famous movies have won this this winner was a French psychological horror movie called Titan. It's rare for me to watch like a lot of uh, the newer, um, like more international fare. I, I have to be honest. Like I wish I, I, I had more access to it than I do. Uh, but the, like you mentioned before, the movies that tend to win the Palme d'Or tend to be quality movies, so we should check this one out. I mean, yeah, two years ago it was Parasite. Look at how much of a phenomenon that was. And if you look into the history, there's a movie that we're going to be talking about soon that won the award back in the 90s. There you go. We're going into DC for a bit. I know we've talked about a lot about Marvel lately, uh, but we're going to DC now. Uh, Leslie Grace from In the Heights, which we raved about a couple of weeks back, She's joining the DC Universe as Batgirl, and uh, I'm particularly really excited about this one. I've been wanting to see Batgirl in the big screen for a while. I'm kind of angry I'm not, because it's an HBO Max movie. Um, but they have said at least that like, just mar like Marvel's doing, their universes are interconnected with TV when it's on HBO Max. So like, she's probably going to pop up in the big screen, so that's at least something i think it's it's nice i'm i'm excited for it and then what's the other thing that the other big announcement that dc made recently so apparently michael b jordan is producing and potentially even starting which i would love to be honest uh as 
the new Superman in an HBO Max project. It's not specified here on the Daily Mail article that I have if it is a TV show or a movie. It's just that project. Confusingly enough, WB tends to be confusing, but this is confusing even for them. This is not the same Black Superman movie being produced by... Um, by Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams. Are you serious? So apparently there's one? two Superman, Black Superman pl uh, projects going on at DC right now, which it's, it's like DC and Warner Brothers tend to reach new levels of stupidity from time to time. And this is like one of those moments. Three Joker movies in development at one point. Or exactly. Like why? Like this is a great idea. <laughs> like focus on Calvin Ellis. He's actually like uh, Black Superman from the comics and star Michael B. Jordan. He's perfect for that. I think probably only one of these will actually be made and it'll probably be the Michael B. Jordan one. God, hopefully. And it seems like the man really loves superheroes, but um, he's not going to come back in any other superhero universe. So if he stars, I think that would be awesome. So on our segment, Total Recall, we love to dig back in older movies and see if they hold up today. And joining us is a very special guest. Uh, he's considered the movie guy on Israeli media. He's been on Channel 10, Hot VOD Movies, and Radio Tel Aviv 102 FM reviewing movies. And he's been around the world interviewing famous movie stars. Please welcome to the show, Jonathan Gall. Hi, guys. Wow, that's a impressive introduction are you talking about me yeah yeah Gal does his uh his research here every <laughs> week I, i'm sh i'm shocked all right yeah happy to be here well you have a countrywide reputation as the movie guy so you seem to be the perfect guest sure yeah i love to talk about movies as much as i can uh and i'm excited i'm i'm I, well, what do you have for me what are we talking about so today we are looking back at 1994's Pulp Fiction, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, obviously, this movie has a huge reputation, and uh, I wanted to know a little about your experience with this movie. You said it was one of your favorites, right? Absolutely. It's up there. It's one of my top 10, maybe top 5, maybe my on my Mount Rushmore. It's up there. It's one of my all-time favorites for sure. Uh, it caught me at just the right age. I'm, I'm an old person. Um, so 19, did you say 93 came out? 93? 94. 90, 94. So I was, I was basically in high school. I was probably about 16. And it's kind of hard to explain to you guys how big uh, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, the filmmaker who made Pulp Fiction, was at that time. He was such a big deal. We were so excited about this person. You know, me and my friends, uh, teenagers at that time who were interested not only in movies, but in pop culture in general, in music, uh, in, in like um, culture and, and all that stuff. He was, he was a hero to us. He was the coolest person in the world who made the coolest stuff in the world. And this is, you know, this is a pre internet time right so if you were a young person interested in say cool music there's no internet you, you don't go on youtube or spotify and look for songs you have to travel to a big city find record shops 
and using your fingers sort of browse through a bunch of CDs or, or albums until you find something that's interesting to you. And Tarantino just shows up and his movies had the coolest music in it, had the coolest, most interesting people, actors in it, had the coolest stories and action sequences that, you know, that he borrowed from like uh, Hong Kong kung fu movies that we had never heard of. So all this mix is happening. Uh, you know, Reservoir Dogs had come out a, a couple years before. He wrote True Romance, which is one of my all-time favorites. He wrote um, uh, Natural Born Killers, which was one of my all-time favorites. I remember each of these movies, I remember going to the cinema and just, you know, screaming like, like a crazy person in my seat. So by the time Pulp Fiction comes around... Uh, and I remember this very, very clearly. You, you guys sort of asked me to, to see if I remember the actual screening of it. I think me and my friends saw it in like a pretty, pretty much a most Pulp Fiction way possible. We drove an old, old American uh, car. You guys know in Israel, we didn't get a lot of those big 70s. I think it was like a Oldsmobile or like one of those old American 70s cars. It looked like we were out of like a, a cop movie with Clint Eastwood. And we drove that old thing to Haifa. There was a film festival in Haifa. It was the only place you could catch Pulp Fiction uh, just as it came out. It was not yet in the regular um, movie uh, theaters. And the only tickets we could get were first row tickets. So we're sitting in the first row after we traveled there in this crazy car that almost broke down. And this, the movie comes in with that the Dick Dale uh, electric guitar blasting through the speakers. And we're lying almost flat on our backs because we're in the front, seat, front um, row trying to get this movie. And I just remembered this as like an experience that took over my whole body and my mind and just, you know, laying on my back in front of this thing and thinking, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. That, that's how I experienced it. Wow, that, that sounds amazing. Uh, you just made me really want to be <laughs> alive by the time <laughs> the Pulpation came out. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, like... Um, and you're right. That story is very pop fiction. Like the the old car, uh, you guys having to to be in the first row. Like I loved, I love that story. And I have to say, like the second, like the second um, chapter for me, right? The, when this story sort of comes together, is when he first came to Israel. He was uh, premiering uh, in Glorious Bastards. So I think it's probably 2009, and he showed up in in Israel. And he did like a little bit of a press day where he, he met a lot of Israeli journalists. And I had the extreme privilege of just sitting down with him for a few minutes and talking to him about Inglorious Bastards. And I came fully prepared. And I had, I, I'll send you guys the video. I, I came in with a bunch of nerd, Tarantino nerd questions of like really specific things in his movies. And when we came to Pulp Fiction, I asked him, you know, the question that everyone has always asked, what's in the suitcase, right? So if every, people listening to us who've never seen the movie, shame on you, first of all, go see it right now. <laughs> But there's, yeah, there's an element there where this, like, there's a mysterious suitcase that 
uh, it gets stolen. And every time somebody opens the suitcase, like this glowing light comes up. And you never know what's in there, like a lot of money or gold, or maybe it's the Holy Grail or the remains of Jesus Christ. Who knows? And I asked him, what's in the suitcase? And he said, whatever you think it is, which is, is like his, his answer for that question. It's like, very not gonna tell you. Answer. I don't think he'll yeah, ever tell. Yeah, it's mysterious. It's meant to stay mysterious, whatever you think. Uh, but I was really glad to, to meet him that time. I had it's like one of my all-time dreams come true. Best interview. Just had a, a blast talking to him. Well, I definitely want to see that video because that sounds really like a really interesting interview. Now, do you have a favorite moment in Pulp Fiction? A favorite person who appears in the movie? Mm, wow, that's a great question. So many. What's interesting about the movie that was sort of revolutionary at the time was that like a little tiny sentence like um, the Travolta char uh, character talking about, uh, you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Amsterdam? They call it a royale with cheese. Like stuff like that. That that's as important as the plot of the movie, right? Like, it, it, no nobody remembers that why Bruce Willis uh, was bribed in the boxing uh, uh, match, right? But you remember like the little things, the 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 dialogue and the music, like the fact that there's a, like a twist dancing competition in the middle of the movie is insane. I, I guess I'll take this opportunity because everyone knows uh, Travolta and Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, all the famous quotes. You know that the, um, the drug dealer that Eric Stoltz uh, played, Lance, the, the heroin dealer. I think that guy doesn't get enough respect. Uh, he comes in with just a, just a tiny part of the movie, but he's, he's so great, and he does that thing where he sticks the huge needle in Uma Thurman's uh, heart and saves her life. And I just like that the crazy uh, ginger, uh, skinny, white dude drug dealer. I thought that was a really fun character. And he's like an actor who never gets mentioned anymore. So I want to shout out Eric Stoltz for that character. Has he been in anything lately? I don't think so. He, he had like a, a run in the 90s. He was like pretty cool for a little bit. The most famous thing that Eric Stoltz did was he was supposed to be the lead in the Back to the Future movies. And they actually shot a bunch oh. of scenes with him as Marty McFly until they decided he was no good. And they fired him and brought in Michael J. Fox. So that's like his biggest um, <laughs> contribution to film history. Listen, we should get Eric Stoltz. We, we should call him up and put him on, on the show. We, somebody needs to, to, to see what, what's up with him. Let's do it. Yes. Honestly, I'm sure he'll have many <laughs> stories to tell. I'd be down for like a sequel streaming show just about his life right now. Lance, the, the heroin dealer. Sure, yes. for sure. <laughs> Coming 2022 to Apple. All right. I would probably go to like Apple or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. What What did you? Can I ask? Like, did you guys both see Pulp Fiction? Yeah, um, of course. On a TV screen, but yeah, when I was fifteen, I was at my grandparents' house one night, and I put it on, and it was like this one year where I went through all of Tarantino's movies, and mm -hmm. uh, still, he's like one of the coolest voices in cinema. I mean, his movies have, like, they're incredible. 
Yeah, I watched it for the first time also around that age, maybe 15, 16, uh, which is around the time that you watched as well. Um, it, it's like, you're right, it's the perfect movie to get like get into Tarantino when you are 15, 16. It appealed to me right away and it m- made me go back and watch a bunch of other Tarantino movies. And I think when I was fi- uh, 15, 16 was the year that... Um, uh, that uh, Inglorious Bastards came out. It was 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was around that time that I watched um, Pulp Fiction for the first time, and I remember, like, jumping right into Inglorious Bastards. That brings me to this question. Is Pulp Fiction the best Tarantino movie? Is this where we might differ? I might take Reservoir Dogs over it, just because it's a tiny bit... Um, the, the, the fact that it was the first thing was uh, was really um, was really like wild for for me as as a young guy at that time and also reservoir dogs is a little bit tighter it's a little bit like more but at the same time i i could be it could be like a trick of memory where i i have to see them again now to decide it's definitely between those two those two are my are my one and two like one a and one b and then after that i would put Inglorious Bastards, and Death Proof, and maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not a huge fan of Kill Bill, I have to say. Wait, okay. no, 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 I have to interrupt I'm sorry. there. Because I would sorry. actually put Kill Bill over Pulp Fiction, and maybe also Bastards, and then Pulp Fiction. That's all I'll say. I get, I get it, I get it. I just never, I mean, I've never been a, a martial arts person so much, and... Um, I don't know. I was just a lot more like emotionally invested in what was happening in like um, the crime movies. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, sorry, Gal, but I'm gonna have to to back Jonathan here. Uh, yeah. It my um, he has the first the same top two as I do, so that's fun. Uh, I think right now, again, like you, I have to watch all of them again just to be a hundred percent sure but right now i think inglorious bastards would be my number one and pope fiction mm-hmm. would be my number two but like mm-hmm. kind of in a similar 1a 1b situation that you had mm-hmm. uh, because they are interchange interchangeable depending on my mood i guess <laughs> but at least you agree we, about those two being amazing i think we can all agree that the hateful eight is last right yeah but it's still a great movie i'd put it over like jackie brown you do okay. I have the hateful eight last. Uh, oh. I, I I didn't get it at all. Like I I might I might have to see that one again. I I felt like the guy was I felt like he was losing it when the hateful eight came out, and I was really relieved that a once upon a time in Hollywood was was so great because it, it's like oh my guys still got it. Yeah, but once upon a time in Hollywood is actually my third. I really love that movie. Yeah, it's great. So that was. A- By the way, w- one of the things that we have to mention about Pulp Fiction, and this is this connects to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which made a lot of money, and Tarantino is saying uh, uh, now that he feels like it might have been the very last movie that's not a uh, you know superhero effects movie 
that made so much money. Made I'm looking at $374 million worldwide from people buying tickets to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So back to Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction made more than $200 million in 94, which is incredible. It's incredible to think that like this weird crime movie with a strange sort of twisted story and like some famous people, yes, but like it didn't have, it wasn't like uh, 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 Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in it, right? And it, it was an art movie. It won Cannes, right? It won, it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. So it was an artistic, hipstery movie, and it made $200 million in the world back then, uh, which is crazy. And no, nobody can do that now, yeah. except Tarantino, obviously. But it, no drama, crime, weird movie is going to make $200 million in the world right now. I don't know even what, what what would be you know the equivalent of that i think maybe what what is like becoming maybe the the this new type i think it would be maybe christopher nolan movies because they are mm -hmm. all, they're also like a little bit more brainy and a little bit weirder but they but then again they do have like these insane budgets of special effects yeah. so I think, like, if you want to compare, like, to what is going now, now that would be kind of it. But you're like, you're you're totally right. Like, uh, Pulp Fiction was was special in that way because it was so like artsy, and uh, for yeah, it to make no. that amount of money, it was the tenth uh, the tenth uh, highest grossing film of '94. So yeah, impressive. And if Tenet had come out in a normal year, that's the big question. If there was no pandemic. Then it comes out in the theaters. Does it make like a hundred hundreds of, of millions of dollars? We'll, we'll never know. Well, that's <laughs> one of many interesting questions we have to answer. Would Tenet made a lot of money? And what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction? Yes, exactly. But was it Tenet? I believe not. <laughs> it was the Blu-ray of Tenet from the future. It was that so makes sense because they're going back in time. I get it. Oh, we okay. just blew my mind. No, we drew. We just solved the Tarantino we just in solved 25 Pulp Fiction. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. It was so great talking Pulp Fiction, Tarantino, and all of it. It was great having someone who rivals our level of movie buff. You got it. I'm I'm available anytime, you guys. Okay, for our next segment, uh, we did something the other week that was really fun, where we talked about TV gems, and uh, we each chose a TV show and tried to sell it to each other. We tried to do the same thing with movies this week, we call it movie gems, but we're actually going to put a little twist on it. So instead of me trying to sell a movie to Gal, and the other way around, we each told each other just to watch a movie, and we're going to see each other's reactions. So let's get started. I guess I'll go first. Um, Alan recommended to me a movie called The Death of Stalin. It came out in 2017 and it stars Steve Buscemi and Jason Isaacs, some talented actors. And it's uh, like a satirical comedy about uh, Stalin's death and the power struggle that follows in Soviet Russia. And this was a, a funny movie for sure. Like I really liked the concept and uh, it, was, it was a well-made movie. 
I will admit that. Even though it, I will say that it occasionally dragged for me, I think it was a really cool concept. Yeah, I really like that movie. I watched it once uh, in the beginning of the year, uh, in the beginning of this year when we were in lockdown or something um, with uh, with my roommates. And it was a really fun movie. Like, it's just a really fun movie for you to just pop in. You have, like, great, great jokes here, like, great comedic actors, like, giving amazing performances. And, uh, yeah, it's just a fun film. Like, it's kind of like a weird cult comedy kind of movie. Oh my god, Steve Buscemi, like, he's, we were talking about how, like, Jeff Goldblum just kind of does his thing and makes things better. Steve Buscemi is like that, where he's kind of just acting goofy, and you automatically love it. And so I'm glad that he was cast in the lead role here. Yeah, everyone is funny here, um, and uh, I I don't regret watching this movie. Usually when, like, I, this weird, like, smaller, like, comedy movies, they can really be hit or miss. But, like, I love this one. And I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, because it was my recommendation. Now, uh, the movie that Gal recommended to me was actually something that has been on my list for such a long time. And it's Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. And I gotta say, I love this movie. I'm so glad to hear you say that. (laughs) This is such a great movie, right? I had so much fun watching this movie. Like, the cast in this movie is incredibly funny. I love Craig Robinson, uh, Kigo michael Key, uh, Mike Epps. Snoop Dogg is even in this movie. Wait, that I don't remember. I saw this movie like a year ago. T.I. is in this movie. Wesley Snipes in this, is Wesley in this movie. Wesley Snipes is Chris Rock is here. And it stars, of course, Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy, for a long time, at least for me, hasn't done like a lot of stuff that really interest me like particularly not saying anything about the quality of his work is just like not very geared towards me but this this movie i had such a good time watching this movie it was so funny the jokes all landed uh the honestly the moment i finished i got out of my room and i told my roommates you have to watch this movie really yeah like it was the first thing i do was recommend to other people guys this is the best feeling when you recommend someone to someone and they love it and sometimes y'all you love him and i love him put your hands together dolomite is my name so we're definitely going to do some some more stuff like this in season two because this is I, i love the concept of hidden gems Oh yeah, this is perfect. So that wraps up a really great episode. Thank you again to Jonathan Gall for joining us. I'm Gall. I'm Alan. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.